Hey everybody, Patrick Hunter here, and welcome to the Knuckles and Gloves podcast. I'm here with my dude, Bryn Jonathan Butler, and we're throwing down with another Floyd Mayweather jam today. Little twofer, little two fight for today. Uh, we're doing Floyd Mayweather versus Marcos Maidana. Bryn and I, you know, Bryn, we've done this before. Dude. We've done a couple of uh, kind of recaps, reliving, revisiting, whatever you want to call them, where we just go through fights, especially controversial ones or perhaps fights that were difficult to score or had some weird dissenting opinion. And we're giving people the facts. <laughs> well, a lot of this, a lot of this is what's interesting is, is just the perspective of how good was Floyd in his own time. And after Castillo, I think, I don't know who many, how many people would really debate that that was the hardest fight he ever had, but Maidana is, is the next one. And if you're going to say that Floyd is an all-time great, how high do you rank Maidana? This is, you know, I think when you think of all-time fighters, Ali versus Norton, or wherever you would have put Frazier before he confronted Foreman, um, Roy Jones versus Tarver where where you kind of had people after that trilogy i mean even roy acknowledging i think i would have had problems with this guy just stylistically so it, it's not to denigrate the accomplishments of these great fighters it's just to kind of assess like floyd is somebody who's the biggest proponent of himself being the best ever is he gaslighting us i mean he wasn't very few people were putting him ahead of roy jones when they were at their the their primes at the same time but I think dropping in, especially the first Maidana fight, maybe can give you an opportunity to look at Floyd looking very uncomfortable in a career where he very seldomly looked uncomfortable. And as a consequence of him looking uncomfortable, not being able to create the kind of fight that he always created in the way that he could dominate, it's probably the most exciting fight that Floyd ever had. And that is an interesting aspect of Floyd's career is he is the greatest fighter who produced exceedingly few great fights. I don't think he produced any. He just had his greatness was in creating fights that nobody really wants to go back and revisit if if he was at all doing the stuff he wanted to do. Yeah, I don't think there's any question, uh, especially though, you know, putting the time, the separate the separation of time, it's been almost 10 years since these fights happened. Um, and we we also talked about the Mayweather-Castillo fights too, if anybody wants to go back and check that show out. Similarly, it was almost 20 years ago, or it was 20 years ago now. So yeah. uh, that being said, that kind of passage of time adds context. And part of the context, of course, is that it had been 10 years since the Castillo fights when the Maidana fights came along. So... This was Floyd Mayweather, who was himself not a big welterweight, uh, never struggling to make weight, no matter what, where he was at, really, or at least not openly, not outwardly, wasn't missing weight, uh, was always disciplined. And it, by this time, I don't think there was any question, especially, you know, and we'll go through this as they got close, that Floyd Mayweather's physical strength was matched, if not exceeded, by Marcos Maidana which is a pretty strong suggestion that he probably was out of his depth size-wise by the time he got to welterweight and fought good-sized welterweights who were struggling making weight type of thing. So in any case, um, like I said, it adds context. That's part of why we do this too. But like you said, part of the, con part, uh, part of the conclusions uh, that we can draw, you know, they might be different. They might kind of shift a little bit and 
I know my opinion actually was changed because I remember at the time watching these fights thinking like, yeah, Marcos Maidana definitely pushed his ass, but not that I didn't think it was close, but I thought Floyd clearly won at least one of the fights. And looking back, my opinion definitely changed a bit. I, I would say it definitely changed. Yeah, and, and we're going to get into it. But in the second fight, the real victor is Kenny Bayless in, in a way that I did not remember how horrible one of the all-time best referees in the history of boxing functioned in that fight, giving Floyd every conceivable advantage. And, and some criticism certainly should be directed towards Maidana and his corner for not protesting because it it was completely unfair. Like, I mean, what, what made the first fight so exciting, Kenny Bayless prohibited in the second fight without, without in any way being in, in accordance with the rules of boxing. So, you know, if, if Maidana is not allowed to fight on the inside, if he's not allowed to fight, if he has a hand free when they're clenching, he is done. Like Floyd can fight on the outside and basically be an archer against like an infantryman with a sword where at a distance, that is very clear who's going to win that battle. In the first fight, he wasn't able to do that. And you see him as uncomfortable as he's ever been in his entire career, unable to come up with an answer, never toying with his opponent because he's not able to, and nervous, very uncomfortable. And that is a rare sight in Floyd Mayweather's career. He looks more uncomfortable against Maidana than even when he was hit by Mosley in that famous second round by a few shots that rocked him. He doesn't really get rocked in either of these two fights except once, I think, in the second round of the, of the second fight, where just at the end of the round, he takes a clean right hand. And you can see him wobbled and he grabs the rope, but it happens in the last couple seconds. But other than that, you just see him unable to contend with the pressure. I mean, in the first round, Maidana throws 100 punches. And most of those are on the inside with Floyd against the ropes. And he's just unable to get off the ropes or really deal with the kind of pressure. So it, it definitely, you, you could say he had a strategy that this guy cannot maintain doing this, and he couldn't, and Floyd was able to weather that. I'm not trying to take anything away from Floyd in these two fights. It's fascinating to see him tested, but it's also, uh, you know, as exciting a fight as I've ever seen Floyd in, and it's simply because he did not have an answer for a guy who's really pretty basic in what the agenda is. I'm going to come in, I'm going to take your head off, I'm going to push you against the ropes, and I'm going to... Um, let's see what you can do about it. And for six rounds, Floyd doesn't really know what to do about it. Yeah, no question. Um, and we'll get into the scoring of the fight in just a sec. Again, just to add a little small layer of context, at least coming in here, so we know kind of where both fighters are. Um, we let's go back to the De La Hoya fight for Floyd Mayweather because that's really his star making fight. Uh, that's all the way back in 2007, so we're giving a good seven year stretch. We don't have to go over every fight or anything like that, but that was really Floyd Mayweather's kind of star making fight. Uh, the fight where it was his, his coming out party and then the Ricky Hatton win over after that really extended, uh, and with no small part to HBO 24 7, of course. But Floyd yeah. Mayweather's stardom really uh, shot forth. Um, but a real stupid-ass cloud hanging over uh, pretty much every Floyd Mayweather, and for that matter, every Manny Pacquiao fight around this time was the fact that they had not yet fought and had been 
you know, uh, in negotiations or supposedly in negotiations or something like that in like back in 2009. And there had been this back and forth where they were kind of trying to one up each other uh, with every fight or every pay-per-view who could sell more, who could do better. It was always Floyd. But nonetheless, uh, Manny Pacquiao was doing some pretty good things himself. So this sort of this these uh, Marcos Maidana fights came in the midst of this one upsmanship or toward the end of it, really. Um, Floyd Mayweather had proven that he could take the his power and his skills up to 147 and even 154 pounds and uh, do very well and obviously uh, outperform pretty much everybody in the world and become the highest paying athlete in the world for, I think, several years in a row perhaps even still now, I'm not certain, but nonetheless, it it was a spectacle. Everything about it was a spectacle. And on top of that, he did have the skills to pay the bills, as they say. Uh, Marcos Maidana, though, was definitely seen, whether people want to acknowledge it or not, going into the first Floyd Mayweather fight, uh, (laughs) I don't remember if people, I don't know if people remember this, but Floyd Mayweather had put out a poll on social media. Who am I going to fight? Who should I fight next? And it was overwhelmingly voted for Amir Khan. Yeah. And Amir Khan had been jockeying and volleying for, you know, vying for this fight for a long time. And finally he was like, yes, people voted for me. I'm going to get the fight. And Floyd was like, ah, I'm going to fight Marcos Maidana actually. And so people were kind of salty that he did that to Amir Khan. But also people were kind of like, why is he fighting Marcos Maidana? Because Marcos Maidana had clearly struggled with a handful of fighters who were not on Floyd Mayweather's level, including Amir Khan, who defeated him very narrowly in a great fight, but he he did defeat him. So anyway, point being, going into this first fight, and I feel free to add to it, but there was a lot of kind of like, what are we doing here? Like what, what is, what is, where are we going with this? You know what I mean? Like we're kind of scraping the barrel at 147. So what are we doing? And that was unfortunately the prevailing thought coming into this. And Marcos Maidana was not having it. Yeah. I mean, Floyd is tricky because I mean, as you're pointing out, like with Castillo to this, Floyd is fighting different generations, you know, in, in different generations, like that, that's how his career went first half of his career, Floyd was sort of like Andre Ward in terms of just anemic popularity. He Nobody really ever paid to watch Floyd win in his career. In the second half of his career, he recognized this brilliantly, shrewdly, in a way that Bob Arum and everybody else promoting him failed to recognize and became a villain that people cheered to watch potentially lose. But by that point, being the A-side after De La Hoya and also after Arturo Gatti, which I think really put him on the map too, launched him in a mm-hmm. big way, annihilated Gatti. Floyd was incredibly shrewd as a businessman in terms of who he was fighting and when he was fighting them. Wanted nothing to do with Pacquiao. When Pacquiao was looking much better against the same opponents, criticized and dismissed Pacquiao, undermined those performances by saying it was all PEDs, when we know Floyd had a lot of questionable associations that suggest it's quite possible, he was also using PEDs at the same time. Oh, Pacquiao, look at all these weight classes he's gone up. Floyd did the same thing. Floyd in these fights is thir- like 37th in the second fight. And, you know, think about that in terms of Roy Jones fighting the third fight with Tarver. He's 36. 
<laughs> where, where like Jones is going, Floyd just doesn't slow down and he's incredibly disciplined. Like clearly weight was never an issue. He was always dialed in an obsessive trainer, but his body looks better as he's moved up to this weight class. He looks more ripped than he did in his early twenties. And it's not like he wasn't always in phenomenal condition, like the absolute peak condition. So it's interesting that once Floyd becomes the A-side, how he tries to take advantage and game the system about when he's fighting guys, they often, like you're mentioning with Amir Khan, another aspect of that poll is he liked to choose guys at the last moment so that he would be able to know if he was cheating, how long he could cheat before the testing would begin and the opponent wouldn't. So if there was a, a, a potential for them to be selected, they would have to stay off longer than Floyd would in terms of using. And, and so it's an interesting aspect of, of sort of the process by which he selected people would be very advantageous. Were he cheating to disallow other people from taking advantage of it? So with this fight, Maidana, to your point, was an 11 to one underdog. So that's what people thought about this like opponent selection. Floyd is making $32 million while Maidana is making 1.5 million. <laughs> Um, but Floyd becoming the villain, you're right, outside of the ring is the most entertaining, arguably celebrity, not just uh, athlete, certainly athlete in the world in terms of what he can generate with these fights that almost nobody was wanting to revisit in the second half of his career. I He, he is the greatest fighter I've ever seen who is thrilled to produce a, a, a booed fight. And I mean, I can't think of any of the fights in the second half of his career that weren't booed, like, like if he was able to do what he wanted to do. So it, and and for him, that was a badge of honor, which is which is interesting. So with and and I mean, it's interesting when I compare him a bit to Andre Ward. Andre Ward just put out uh, an autobiography. Always said, you know, like I had the character to not resort to what Mayweather did in order to pander to salacious headlines. Um, generating big pay-per-view fights, but Ward, never a pay-per-view star. Roy Jones, never a pay-per-view star. Mayweather, like you say, with 24-7 as scaffolding, is amazingly entertaining until he gets into the ring. And with this first fight with Maidana, suddenly from the opening bell, I mean, 100 punches are coming Floyd's way. It arguably is the most exciting round that Floyd ever had. And it had nothing to do with him. <laughs> like it had everything to do with an opponent who just went, you know what? I'm going to go in fucking balls to the wall and throw everything I have at you. And, uh, and he's able to do it for six rounds. So this is a, a very interesting moment in this fight that I don't think many people expected just because Maidana is so one-dimensional, doesn't have great hands, but he's a power guy <clears throat> in a division where power seldom is able to sort of dominate at the highest level, certainly not at Floyd's level, you know, superlative talent. So it's it's a fascinating fight. My, my last point on this that's so frustrating is I could not decide which YouTube video to watch of these two fights because one had Mauro Ronaldo and the other has Bob Sheridan. And that is sort of like deciding whether to be, you know, castrated or set on fire in terms of 
who who do I not want to watch this fight with? So I I actually went with half with one and half with the other in terms of disowned to Showtime. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Well, and you got you got Paulie Malinaji on one. Yeah, he's actually has some good analysis. It's when I love him out. as an announcer, yeah, as a human being, not so much. Yeah, it's when he goes outside. Yeah, outside of the analysis. That would, yeah, women probably. race, not so much. Yowza. No, it's uh, <clears throat> it's not my favorite commentating team. And however, I I do generally like Al Bernstein, but he did have a few head scratchers a couple times. That being said, yeah. I like him too, though. Yeah, no, I, I think that he's generally a good dude, uh, as far as I know, and he's also a knowledgeable, good commentator. But, um, yeah, I just watched the Showtime version, I guess, because just to make it simple. But, yeah, you're right, um, and that's something they acknowledge pretty quickly getting into the first fight in the first round that uh, they say Robert Garcia, Marcos Maidana's trainer, said he's going to have to throw over 100 punches around, which... Of course, it's those. It's the kind of thing that it doesn't really happen as often as people say, because you don't realize how much that is. You know, you don't realize what that is, especially over what twelve fucking rounds. You know, a hundred, twelve hundred punt. That like it doesn't happen very often. It's very rare if for a reason. But that being said, Marcos Maidana sets the bar pretty high uh, in round one, and I think that that was fairly key to setting the tone of the fight and making sure that Floyd knew this was not going to be a cakewalk. Uh, like you said, kind of about Marcos Maidana, his technique, and there's not a whole lot about him. That's like well above average, pretty much his punching power. He's a very good puncher beyond that. His technique is not very good. His speed is not very good. Uh, footwork, not very good, etc. But that un he's a, a very good example of a fighter able to take an unorthodox technique and make it work for him in this particular instance in this style clash because Floyd Mayweather is is used to far more orthodox punches coming at him. Right. I think it's absolutely right. And that, that doesn't always work, you know? That's no. it's the kind of thing where just basic geometry, you know, like a straight one, two, one, two, one, two is gonna beat guys going rah you know, the vast majority of the time. However, there are some guys where the delivery is so strange. Mayorga might be another example. The delivery is so strange that you just can't, you can't get a grasp on it. You're just like, what the fuck? That shit came from down there. And then it landed up. What the fuck? So I think that that really threw Floyd off. All of a sudden he's getting pushed to the ropes and there's punches going like this, you know, over and he's getting like bonked on top of the head and like, what the fuck? And I think that that really rattled him in that first round. Yeah, I mean, I think you saw this a little bit with Chavez. I think this is why some big supporters of Julio Cesar Chavez think that were were he in a prime matchup against Floyd, given what he was able to do to Floyd's relatives, um, that that style might work. Like it might be more effective than we would otherwise think. And Maidana kind of demonstrated that because you're right, these overhand punch these sort of windmill like shots looping shots thrown so aggressively um floyd's floyd's style of the shoulder roll is just not effective against the ropes and after a while he's able to pick off a few things but he he you can see on his face he is whining to the referee more than i think in any fight i've ever seen and it's not so much that that maidana's doing anything wrong it's just I don't know how to solve this. Maybe you can. 
maybe you'll step in and, and sort of prevent some of this seems to be where it's coming from in terms of urgency. But uh, it's fascinating to see Maidana be able to throw him out of his game. And I think as we saw with Adrian Broner, Maidana has a different countenance than most fighters. He, he has a, a look in his eye that is so casually menacing that I think even Floyd, I'm not saying he was afraid of him in, in any way. Like, like he's, he's fighting him. Like Floyd has fought a million guys. None of these guys are cowardly. But you can tell that maybe Maidana has killed people or like he could kill people and have no reservation about it. He just has something about a the A fighter knows him. when he's in there with somebody who doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see that somebody Floyd, who's seen some shit, somebody who's seen some shit or done some shit or watched themselves do some shit. There's something about Floyd where it's like, I, there's nothing I can do to intimidate him. So he doesn't even try. Floyd has no antics in this fight in a way that he routinely tries to toy with other people and fuck with their heads and get them to do what he wants mentally. Maidana is not that guy at all for him that itself is just fascinating because we've seen floyd do this even to manny pacquiao like made pacquiao look pedestrian and prosaic with maidana for these first six rounds you can just see floyd being like i i've not seen this before you're not supposed to do this to me and and he's trying to keep him off and get away but he is struggling for those those first six rounds and so it's fun to i mean for an 11 to 1 underdog have deafening chants from the people in the crowd um, with these soccer chants. And um, and I feel weird calling him Chino because it's like I'm calling him Chinese man. But I mean, it is his nickname, but it's such a funny. Um, but Maidana is, is just has this, I think, pretty intelligent aggression. It doesn't seem patient aggression because it's not. Um, but he's trying and effectively cornering Floyd. Floyd's reflexes and timing are still laser sharp at 30. I'm not sure if he's 36 or 37 at this point. Um, I, he must be 37, actually. But Floyd has lost so little at this point. So you're still seeing an absolute top shelf Floyd, even though I agree with you. At this weight class, he's sort of hitting his ceiling. It's it's hard for him to kind of like Maidana is never hurt by anything Floyd ever throws. And Floyd lands a fair bit of clean punches in these two fights. Um, but it's it's just first round. Floyd is just pummeled and pushed into the ropes. And even when he's not hit cleanly, it's almost like they're shrapnel from these punches. If it hits his glove, everywhere that Maidan is hitting, you can see Floyd has not really confronted power like this. Or I mean, I don't I don't know if you agree with that, but I've never seen Floyd in a round like that first round where he seems dominated. And there was a sense, I remember watching it going, this is so unexpected. My God, can he keep this up? How How is he doing this? Does he really think he can do this for 12 rounds? And why is Floyd's the, the most you know marvelous defensive fighter, one of the great defensive geniuses of all time, have no answer to, to such a straightforward, it's just like a car coming in to plow over you. There's no structure to this yeah. offense. Well, I thought that Floyd actually bounced back really well, all things considered, in the second round. But, um, and I thought he made it a pretty close round. However, one of the one of the things, one of two things that I noted, the first was that um, 
Floyd, in the vast majority of his fights, is able to get his opponent afraid of the counter pretty early on. Absolutely. Like, as, as soon as, you know, as soon as he can, as soon as he can land something really clean, just the action of getting hit with some shit super clean and perhaps not really powerful, but powerful enough that you're like, what was that? And where it come from? Why didn't I see it? What the hell? Is enough to take you off your game really early in a fight. Floyd couldn't do that with Maidana. Not only did he not really get the chance that Maidana was just not allowing it. He wasn't afraid of the counter early on. And he clearly had the mindset that I'm going to push forward and I'm going to push forward through whatever it is he's throwing. I'm just going to kind of bite down and take it. And he did in, in a number of instances. The second thing was that, you know, even in the second round, Floyd showed it, but he was able to get separation. And that's where he was able to kind of take a, a portion of the second round, in my opinion. However, um, something that's really underrated about Floyd Mayweather's game throughout his career is that he is a really good inside fighter, a really good dirty fighter. He's somebody who you do not piss off in the clinch. Generally speaking, almost every single fighter who's done it has not, you know, proverbially, proverbially lived to tell about it. Like almost every, Victor Ortiz got dirty with him, paid the fucking price. Almost yep. every single fighter who's tried to do it has paid the price. And so this was different that every single little trick Floyd Mayweather tries to do, Maidana wasn't letting him do. One of the things Floyd Mayweather loves to do is because of his stance inside, he's able to hook his glove underneath one of his opponent's arms and hold it so that he can, you know, work. And it's super subtle. Referees often don't fucking catch it. He works off with his uh, forearm, uses his elbow, which he got caught doing a number of times in both fights. But those kinds of things where he pushes off with his elbow and then right as he pulls his arm back, throws a punch, it's genius shit that doesn't look like much. But when you're in there and he's that fast, it's like, holy fuck, those kinds of things he couldn't do. Maidana, like it, part of it was I think that they trained for it. The second part was that he just didn't care. He was just doing everything to maul. And every time Floyd Mayweather tried to do his own little dirty shit, Maidana pushed it back even more. And it, it to me, it seemed like Tony Weeks was seeing this, like he was seeing there was inside jockeying and he was kind of like, fight on, I don't know, which yeah. in a lot of ways I appreciate. So anyway, first round, clearly Maidana. Second round, I thought went to Floyd Mayweather, but I marked it as close because he had a pretty good round, especially in the last half. I think Mark, uh, Marcos Maidana realized kind of quickly that he had to tone it down a little bit. Yeah, I had the same as you. I have I have Mayweather and I have circled close. Um, reason being is Floyd comes out in the second round adjusting his game plan. Floyd, for whatever criticism I'm levying on him, is has the most the most facile ability to adjust in real time and come up with different game plans to suit his opponent to solve his opponents than than any fighter I've ever seen. It, it's astounding how he can deal with the pressure of being behind a little bit or, oh, I don't know quite how to deal with this style. He never gets flustered. He never gets flustered. It's a challenge. And you see him often. I mean, one thing that stood out for me in this fight, and you see it first couple rounds even, is anytime Floyd gets hit, he will smile. Because you can see it's like, okay, I figured out how you figured me out there. I'll make an adjustment. And you don't see it again. 
And you saw that with Mosley after that second round, it was like, well, okay, I got it. I made these, these little mistakes never happens again. He he's just so such a good study in fire, <laughs> you know, like baptism by fire is his preferred state to sort of solve these crosswords that are in front of him. He never smiles when Maidana hits him the entire two fights. There's never a moment where he goes, ah, okay. It's always fuck. And you see a look on his face that's different than we, than we really, it's very rare to see on Floyd's face where he looks uncomfortable. He looks uncomfortable, This whole, both of these fights in a lot of ways. So Floyd comes out in the second, he's advancing. He is landing some blazing counters. I mean, as you say, that right-hand counter is his great shot. And it's it's just, even in slow motion, it looks fast. And it's just so perfect, like just letting something in a millimeter, two millimeters from his face and coming over. He has a huge reach, you know, for a little guy who's 5'8", kind of, I think he's got a 72, 73-inch reach. All the Mayweathers have insane reaches relative to their height. They have reaches that are like six foot one, six foot two. Uh, Roger, I think, had the biggest reach, 74 inches for a guy who's 5'9". I mean, amazing. Um, but Chino is willing to come in and one of the things that's fascinating about his aggression is we're saying mauling, cornering, but he has a weird cadence to the way that he unloads his flurries. And Floyd has trouble timing it. You can see he just doesn't quite know because Maidana will come in and you'll think it's coming and he's not even fainting. He just delays just so much that Floyd might guess at something and then five punches come over in a way that I, I can't think of many fighters that are punchers that have quite the same tempo that Maidana does and Mayweather struggles with it throughout both of these fights when he's cornered or on the ropes he just doesn't know how to predict because also the angles are different than he's ever dealt with I don't think he's sparred with anybody that sort of has these big looping shots that are coming over but uh that difficulty with timing or predicting the tempo or location of punches, I still thought Floyd did enough with the counters and with the adjustment of sort of leading the fight for a little bit, which he does not like to do in fights, um, did enough to win a close second round. But Maidana then is going to make some adjustments in the third that are going to carry a ways where you went, oh boy, are we watching something? Has Maidana become Buster Douglas to Floyd's Tyson? Yeah, no, I... <clears throat> I noted the exact same thing. And another thing that I thought Floyd does extremely well in a lot of his fights, not just these ones, um, but he he did it he did it a number of times. Obviously, his body jab is just like debilitating. Um, it's one of the best body jabs I've ever seen. And it's something that doesn't really get mentioned probably enough. And something his opponents have talked about. They've been like, dude, his body jab is just fucking a spear. And, mm -hmm. and that's probably has to do with that reach too. And the fact that he's able to land it and not get hit, you know, land it that much is it's saying a lot. Cause they say that, you know, when you go for the body that leaves you the, the widest open or whatever, that being said, like you said, round three, uh, my Don is just not giving him space. Lloyd yeah. needs separation. He needs a little bit of space to get working because my is not letting him do any of his inside tricks. He's constantly shutting it down. Floyd's doing a lot of looking at the referee on the ropes, but he's going to the ropes too. Part of it is like, well, he's getting pushed to the ropes sometimes, but he is going to the ropes. And to me, it seems like throughout this first fight and, and including this third round, he's making a miscalculation 
that he thinks, like in many other fights, he can do, call it rope-a-dope, it's not really that. But he thinks he can counter off the ropes and he can do what he wants to do. He did it far more effectively against Castillo than he did against Maidana in this first fight. Yeah. He was able to counter Castillo and predict what he was doing because Castillo's far more orthodox than Maidana. Maidana's lack of orthodox technique, especially against the ropes, was really tripping him up. And he wasn't able to counter and get that space. And then when he does get that space, Maidana just kind of charges at him again. So I think it was really a, uh, it was a situation and this will change later on, but it was a situation where Floyd just had no room, no time to think, no time to adjust. Maidana was on his ass, man. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about Maidana smothering, but what he's doing that he deserves credit for that wasn't pointed out so much is he's disrupting is that he is disrupting mm -hmm. what Floyd wants to do in response. Floyd, everybody tries to smother Floyd. Yeah. Everybody knows the only way to beat him is to get on the inside, to not allow him to be on the right. outside and take pot shots and control the tempo of the fight. Like it, it's it's a really obvious game plan. Nobody was able to successfully implement it until Maidana. No, you're right. You're right. And it's all about that Maidana's pace once he's in there is he's comfortable. Most guys who get in there, they don't really know what to do. So Maidana is disrupting Floyd's counterpunching strategy. And so he's implementing huge pressure in this third round. He's back to just, fuck, I need to go full on tear into this guy. But once he's getting in, he is able to deal with Floyd's blazing hand speed. I mean, Floyd's hand speed is so much faster than Maidana. I mean, it's so impressive, even at this stage in his mid moving into late 30s. Um, but he doesn't have the power. Floyd has never had the power in order to keep somebody like Maidana honest. And both of these guys have phenomenal chins. I mean, Floyd probably better than Maidana overall, because we saw Floyd take some huge shots. Maidana has gone down a handful of times. I think he has a great chin, too. But Floyd is not able to in any way dissuade Maidana from doing what he wants to do in terms of coming in. But um, Maidana is just throwing these flurries where you can just see Floyd is going, okay, this is not working. What else can I do here? Because I'm, I'm now losing this fight. If he's able to keep this up, am I going to be able to, to solve this? What, what adjustments can I do if I'm against the ropes? And you can just see him, um, I guess, just sort of incredulous. And that is just, uh, it, it's like in wrestling, they say the one emotion that wrestling never produces is confusion because it's all staged. Like they, it's all very designated what they want to have happen. So confusion is the most special emotion that can happen in wrestling. With Floyd, one of the most exciting things that he can possibly do is look as if he doesn't have answers because Floyd always has answers to what's in front of him. Third round, he does not have answers. He's down and Maidana is looking like he's coming on. Yep. No question. And Maidana also, uh, you know, he, he carries that momentum into round four. In my opinion, I have it scored the exact same way as you two to one Maidana through three. Uh, but Floyd opens up round four, knowing that he's got to move way more and he starts moving way more. It just doesn't really last. Um, <laughs> basically Maidana dials up the roughness inside, uh, and they wind up clashing heads. Floyd gets cut for the first time. He gets a major cut in his professional career. 
and he's obviously bothered by the blood and he spends a good portion around four pawing at his face. He does land some really nice shots. And I mean, he responds. It's not like he just runs and, ah, you know, runs for covers. That's the, the, the screaming, the whining is the second fight. But, yeah. but he does, he does clearly get bothered by the blood. He doesn't like it. And he's looking to the ref constantly in round four on the inside and he does get far more referee help on in round four than he had previously. That being said, he didn't like this. He's uncomfortable. And Maidana, in my opinion, pretty clearly takes round four. Um, it, it turns it into a situation where four rounds in, you got a three by three, one Maidana. And it's like, <laughs> what Floyd Mayweather are we watching? You know, it, it definitely at the time felt like, is this, is this when it happens? Is this when we see Floyd Mayweather defeated? You know, it really felt that way at the time. And then, man, Maidana just wasn't letting up. No, and you have Floyd sitting down on his stool at the end of this round saying, I can't see. Yep, that's that true. Um, I would argue that Floyd's greatest superpower as a fighter is his ability to take his opponent's energy and pressure and use it against them. Better than anybody that I've ever seen. He can't do that with Maidana. And you can see, wait a minute, I can do this to every style I've ever faced. Why are you different? And he's discovering that in real time. And it's 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 fascinating to watch because Floyd looks so flustered by this. He's such a master of controlling opponents, controlling fights, controlling the tempo of the fights. And there's, um, you know, he's seeing something he's never seen before. And that's really interesting for a guy who's as experienced as Floyd is. So, you know, he he is this sort of screwdriver with 9,000 bits to solve whatever is in front of him. And he's never seen this before. So Floyd's right eye begins to bug him, which is like, fuck, is, is this going to become the narrative that an injury sort of sabotages his ability to do what he's always done and solve this problem? Um, because clearly Chino is having his absolute best round in this fight. And, you know, he, Maidana has this energy that he's so confident. He doesn't care if he wins or loses. He just wants to do his best. He's just driven by the moment in a way that, that is, um, really hard to take away from him. The way Floyd is able to take away, you know, what he did to De La Hoya, his ability to frustrate opponents, to take away their energy, to use it against them, to take away their, not just their courage, but their sense that they can fight to win. Because his ability to counter, like you were saying, his timing, his speed, um, to find angles, to make people miss, they stop trying to fight at their best. Because it's like, oh, I, this is not working. I'm learning that me fighting this way hurts. <laughs> that I'm I'm taking clean shots. Maidana just doesn't care. And and he's looking so confident after this fourth round, uh, by far his best round of the fight, with an eye injury, you're just going, oh my goodness, like where where is this going for Floyd? It does not look good. And, you know, I, I didn't think that it looked super great for him in round five either. It looked pretty good about halfway through for Floyd. Uh, it looked like he had started to kind of um, you know, tame Maidana. And also I think Maidana had started getting a little tired uh, by round five. He was starting to kind of slow down a little bit and Floyd was starting to time him. He was starting to kind of like, all right, like let's bring this down a little bit. Like we're not, we're not doing that. However, 
Maitana did something in round five that made it pretty clear. He, he was not going to be tamed so easily. In a clinch, he goes like he's about to Muay Thai knee Floyd Mayweather, and then he stops himself, thank goodness, because that would have been a fucking fiasco. Here he is, like, you know, fucking three rounds to one and then screws himself by DQ with a fucking knee. Thankfully, he doesn't do it. But um, that kind of signaled, in my opinion, in that round, he took it right back to the rough shit. Uh, Tony Weeks wasn't really doing a ton about it, not what Floyd Mayweather wanted him to do anyway. And I thought that Maidana again took another round because he managed to make it rough enough that Floyd Mayweather was pretty uncomfortable in the last minute or so of the round. Yeah, I gave it I gave it to Maidana too. Close round. I have it circled again. Mm -hmm. First minute of the fight, just like sorry, first minute of the round, as you say, Maidana's fighting on the outside. Bizarre choice. I don't know why he would opt for that. Um, unless he was tired. It's almost because... like he was trying to prove a point, unless he was tired. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just you know, how many boxers have ever been born that are going to be able to outbox Floyd from the outside? Certainly not Marcos Maidana is going to do that. And why are you doing it after you've been so effective uh, at this point in the fight? It, it was very frustrating and uh, a bizarre choice if it was a choice. I presume, as you said, it's not a choice. He's just getting tired. It's not easy to fight 100, you know, throwing close to 100 punches around. Um, so he loses some momentum. And um, Floyd gets a lot more comfortable. Floyd is finding his composure in this round suddenly. And you're thinking, oh, like here Floyd goes again. He's, you know, he he has been able to weather a storm. So it's it's going to really add to Floyd's resume that he was able to deal with these first difficult rounds. But um, I still gave it to Maidana. And the, in the next round, totally to his credit, Maidana's pressure is right back. Floyd looks just as uncomfortable as he ever has. He is complaining incessantly to the referee. Um, Floyd is, is now far more willing to throw counters with more abundance than he has been with more volume. And also on the inside, and, and you were saying before, I think Floyd is a brilliant tactician on the inside. Like not just those little yeah. subtle things, but also just the angles he's finding punches to dig at are really impressive. And in both of these fights, both guys have, I think, an underrated body attack on the other. I think a lot of what took took away some of Maidana's momentum was not just his energy or conditioning, but the body shots that Floyd yep. was landing. You know, Floyd is not a power puncher, but he lands crisply. Yeah, they weren't calling it on the commentating nearly enough because Floyd no. was landing some fucking hammers downstairs. Yeah, absolutely. And so Floyd is landing a lot more of these counters uh, especially on the inside than he did before. And um, and I thought the, the work he did on the inside was enough to give mm -hmm. Floyd the round. So we're at 4-2. Yep, I'm 100% with you. Uh, I scored it the, the exact same way. The body shots from Maidana were what took it for me on round five because he, in the last minute or so, I mean, they were reckless. They were kind of sloppy, but they landed. And he was just two-handing it, just boom, 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 you know, to his body. Floyd never looked hurt per se, but those score, dude. And when they're hard and they're clean, they score. And for me, body shots count perhaps a little bit more on my scorecard than others. That being said, like you said, Floyd comes back in round six uh, and he's opening up enough that like toward the last part of the round is Maidana slowing down. He's lighting Maidana up a little bit. Um, and that's, I think you start to see Floyd far more aware. Like he needs to, he needs to do something offensively. Like, you know, yes, I think that, in, through the first five rounds, even though Maidana, we scored the same way, 
But it should also be said that Floyd throughout those first five rounds, it could have been much worse. And the reason why it was not is because his defense is so fucking good. And he was taking the mustard off of a lot of those shots. Like even the ones he was getting dinged with, he was already kind of leaning away from him. They still scored and still made his head, you know, that's still scores, but it was a lot better than him moving into the shot. And that counts too. That being said, he's by round six started to understand that like defensively is not enough. He needs to counter more. He needs to open up more, take more risks. And he does and takes the round for it, in my opinion. And that's also helped by Maidana slowing down a bit. Yeah, round seven, Floyd just starts to come on. And, um, you know, he's a great champion. He's a great, I mean, he pisses me off as a person, but he is a great champion. And I I admire that about him. It's fun to rewatch these things. And even though you might dislike a guy, you can't not appreciate him, what he's able to do under this kind of adversity, sort of unprecedented adversity is is really a fun thing to, to revisit. Um, and Maidana is just not able to be anywhere near as effective in this round. So very easy round to score the seventh. Floyd is um, down by a round. And then in eighth, Maidana's pressure is back. Floyd is smothered. On the inside, Floyd goes low. And then Maidana goes low. Now, I thought Floyd went a little low to prompt the Maidana low blow. I thought they traded. Maidana went a little more low than Floyd, but it looked to me like Floyd also went low with the body shot. I couldn't quite see from the camera angle, but Floyd's whining, I think, really encouraged Maidana and probably gave him a little bit of extra energy because you could just see he's so uncomfortable with me. He's looking for help is what it looks like. And um, and yet Floyd was willing to come forward. He's willing to make that adjustment. I think that tells you how self-aware Floyd is in fights that if I don't make this adjustment, I'm going to lose. Even though I, I have to take this risk. Floyd is one of the most risk-averse fighters ever. Certainly the most risk-averse great fighter ever. But when he has to do it in order to win, as he always says, no matter what's in front of me, I figure out a way to win. He recognizes I cannot keep doing what I've been doing and when I need to take this risk, I need to make this adjustment, comes forward. And again, I thought he did enough to nullify the offensive pressure of Maidana. We've got an even fight in the eighth. I scored that for Maidana, but I asterisked it. I thought it was pretty close, um, but that I, d- I did note that Mayweather, especially toward the end of the round, was able to get some separation um, and I mean, one thing I, another thing I'll say for Maidana is that he's a little bit better in terms of skill and boxing than he's given credit for. It's not all, you know, he's not just some stupid ass caveman or something like that. Um, he is far better skill wise than perhaps we're even giving him credit for. He had a, a significant amateur career was on the Argentine national team, fought Lucas Martin Matisse, like I want to say four times and went three Oh and one against him. I believe it was. Uh, you know, he was a well-schooled fighter and there is a lot of skill to that inside mauling and fighting. That is a skill, but it's just not, you know, thought of as like a classical skill or whatever. That being said, um, you know, yeah, I, I thought my Donna could have taken the eighth round, but again, close round. I, I wouldn't be mad if you gave it to Mayweather, but the action's tight. It's pretty nip and tuck. However, ninth round, I thought uh, Floyd at this point, 
with Maidana starting to kind of lose a step because he's getting tired. Because you you see in round eight, actually, the round that I did give Maidana, nonetheless, you see him do a couple, you know, before they start up again. Like, he's he's starting to blow wind a little bit. He's getting tired, and Mayweather is taking advantage of it and starting to get separation with his legs, starting to keep uh, Maidana toward the center of the ring, which is very clearly to his advantage. However... He's also using the separation to land clean, and he's starting to kind of ding Maidana up a little bit in this round, in round nine, that is. Yeah, I think part of Floyd's genius, not just his defensive genius, but converting defense into offense, is he installs a toll booth in the ring where anybody coming at him is going to pay, and they adjust their style, not even consciously, to deal with that. So he starts molding them to the kind of opponent he wants to deal with. Floyd has not been able to do that for eight rounds against Maidana. In the ninth, he does. And and every time Maidana is coming in, he is paying a toll. It all of and, a sudden looks like a Mayweather fight. Yep. All of a sudden, we've got a Mayweather fight. And pretty quickly, you're going to start hearing booing. Just in order, Those are the, the horns of triumph for Floyd. <laughs> Once he's succeeding in a fight. Oh, boo. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> I remember when I went to Tijuana to watch Rigo fight um a mexican and the entire fight the tijuana fans are just screaming bicicleta bicicleta and it's like my guy must be winning if we're talking about the bicycle i know who we're talking about so with floyd similar thing once the toll booth is open for business boo the, the tbe is in business so ninth round that has finally happened and i'm feeling sad uh 10th round floyd is so dialed in you know, he's improving, pouring it on. Maidana is just so frustrated. He's pouring on his energy, but it's just leading to more frustration. Full credit to Floyd for creating this dynamic. This didn't just happen. This is all about the little adjustments that are nuanced that Floyd is making. Uh, Floyd's body shots are clearly taking a toll now. He's pouring that on. Um, Lanza, just a tremendous right hand at the end of the fight. Uh, yeah, so Floyd is seemingly totally in control. By the 10th round, these guys have thrown an sorry, have landed almost an identical amount of punches. 190 for Floyd, 189 for Maidana. This is very unusual for a Floyd fight, where if he's successful, the punch, the amount of punches landed is going to be pretty anemic. Um, but that's where we're at after 10, is Floyd is suddenly up two rounds in a fight where you thought. How's he going to figure this out? Like, I, he's really struggling, it seems like, relative to an 11 to 1 favorite who's the, the best ever, et cetera. Um, suddenly, Floyd is looking like Floyd, and the opponent is stopped looking like Maidana and just looks like another opponent. Yeah, partway through the round, it was actually Maidana looking to the referee and kind of like looking to him for help and going, yep. like, Wait, what is he doing to me here? Yep. And and I noted that, and I'm like, ah, you know, the table, the the the, the turntables, the turntable, <laughs> the tables have fucking turned. And I also noted that, like I said earlier, as much as uh, you know, I like Al Bernstein. I don't know which version you watched for round ten, but during some point in round ten, Al Bernstein says, "Oh, this is a real close round. I don't know who's winning it." And I'm like, Yeah, what is Mayweather's taxing his fucking ass. What are you talking about? And then, of course, punch stats at the end of round 10 are like, oh, they landed an equal amount of punches. And I was like, I guess. I mean, maybe they did, and maybe they were counting Maidana's, like, inside little kind of, like, shit. But 
dude, you know, Mayweather's just lighting them up. I don't know what these people were watching, That's to be true. honest. I'm not trying to be a dick, but it wasn't even close in round 10. Um, and then same action into round 11. I mean, basically Floyd's feeling comfortable enough to just start opening up like in by round 11. Uh, I'm not saying that he's always oh, well ahead and he's got the fight well in hand, especially, you know, when I give my scorecard, but that being said, the momentum is clearly on his side and my Donna has just kind of, you know, gone downward as far as energy. I, I totally thought May was dominating this whole round until the last minute. And for me, I mean, so far you've given Maidana a little more than, than I have in terms of the scoring of this fight. I thought he did enough at the end of this round and Floyd's holding kind of betrayed that, that I, again, I don't really know what to do with this aggression you're showing that I thought Chino was just able to steal this round narrowly. Uh, it didn't get look us up good to for six Floyd. Five. Yeah, the tackling and shit definitely didn't look good for him. But I didn't think it was really, no. you know, effective in terms of doing anything. No, and the and the tackling, like when he goes when he goes down, I mean, Floyd is holding and he's off balance. I mean, so you know, okay, it's it's a little, you know, Maidana's getting a forearm up up there a little bit, but Maidana is not fighting dirty in this fight, and neither is Floyd really. But um, Floyd. Floyd usually has a lot more composure kind of like Floyd has a lot more strength when clenching is happening than I think people give him credit for. But Maidana is very strong also. But um, I thought I thought Maidana did enough to take this round closely and then getting into the 12, the 12th round. Um, Floyd is able to make the fight happen in the center. And um, Maidana comes on in the last 70 seconds, but I just thought that F Floyd was too composed and Maidana was not able to take away that composure and do what he wanted to do. And, um, and I think by the end of it, it was the best, the best fight in terms of excitement generated that Floyd has had since Castillo the, in the first, in the first fight. I still probably think it's, it's the most exciting fight of Floyd's career in many respects. I thought the 10th could have even been even uh, just because neither fighter really got much going consistently. Floyd landed a few combinations. Uh, Maidana ended the fight kind of mauling him. There wasn't really a whole lot going on offensively. However, so I flipped my scores. I thought Mayweather could have taken 11. Maidana could have taken 12 close just because he was aggressive, but I wouldn't be mad if you flipped those. Um, but no, I, 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 I think the conclusion in terms of entertainment, I agree. Um, it was about as close and exciting as a Mayweather fight generally gets. Um, and, and I mean, that's good. A lot of people were, I remember, especially at the end of it, uh, <laughs> I was far more involved in the boxing world at this point and had far more friends and, you know, acquaintances and shit like that. And I remember there were a handful of people who were somewhat close to like the Robert Garcia camp and shit like that, who were like, bullshit, fucking Maidana got robbed. You know, he fucked him up. He totally won like nine round, 10 rounds and shit like that. Wasn't the fight that I saw. I wasn't, that wasn't the fight that I saw then either. You know, I thought that Mayweather clearly had in terms of tactics and in terms of, you know, game plan figured out Maidana, generally speaking by the end. Um, but that being said, I wound up with a draw. I wow. mean, I I didn't expect that because, like I said at the time, it felt like Mayweather's kind of figured this out. 
but going round by round. And like I said, there were a couple of rounds. Like you score them the other way, it might come up with a different score. I couldn't really envision too many scenarios where my Donna's winning, to be honest. But I think I, I, maybe I was a little bit more generous to my Donna than I should have been, but I came up with a draw. No, I mean, one of the judges did too, you know, and, and I don't think that that's off. I mean, I had it seven to five for Floyd. Uh, I think it's the most rewatchable fight of his career. And I, I say that with the caveat that I think Floyd is the least rewatchable great fighter, all-time great fighter um, that we've ever had. I, I've never heard any boxing fan ever talk about rewatching one of his fights for the enjoyment and, and action from it, ever, ever. And it's like that's a weird thing for somebody as accomplished as he is for for the kind of longevity that he had. Like, I mean, what what would you say is the most rewatchable fight of his career? I mean, in terms of just entertainment, probably this fight. Um, I mean, there were I've I have heard people beyond any hyperbole. I have heard people say, oh, I enjoyed this fight and I like to go back and watch this fight and not to just be a contrarian. I have heard people say that. But I do think that there's probably a little bit more value, generally speaking, in going back and like watching Floyd Mayweather's career to watch a great technician or to get ideas of what you could do in sparring or, you know, how you should fight in terms of preserving yourself and, you know, that type of stuff. Those kinds of things are, and that's, and I'm not saying those as insults, you know, I'm not stupid. Like these fighters want to be able to fucking do things at the age of 45. I support that. So, you know, uh, that being said, in terms of just pure entertainment though, yeah, this probably is the most rewatchable fight in Floyd Mayweather's career. And at least in part, because he's having to figure a lot of shit out in real time. He's getting dinged around. He's getting hit by probably the biggest puncher we've seen him get hit by. Uh, and it's that's kind of exciting and out of the ordinary. And especially for a lot of people who even now and at the time really didn't like Floyd Mayweather, wanted to see him get his comeuppance and hated the guys. He had a big mouth type of shit. That was exciting for a lot of people. And that... You know, people pay to pay to see that Floyd proved that over and over again. Well, I mean, I think what this comes down to, I think John Lacare said a, a, a cat sitting on a cat mat is not a story. A cat sitting on a dog's mat is a great story. And by that same, but the same reason, conflict makes a story. I can appreciate why anybody would want to watch Floyd as a technician and great practitioner of boxing in terms of the relationship his style had with an opponent. He is the greatest fighter I've ever seen to make more bad fights to revisit than anybody else I can think of. And it's because of how good he was in the way that he was good and his total unwillingness to take any unnecessary risks in order to make fights interesting. By, by what most people regard as interesting, it would be, I mean, you were saying entertaining or exciting sort of thing, you know, like how many people want to revisit a, a, a no hitter or a perfect game in baseball? Nowhere near as many as want to watch three home runs by one guy or something like that. Or even just the fucking home run derby. You know what yeah, I mean? But, like, yeah, right, right. But we can certainly say that a perfect game is much more difficult to do than somebody hitting three home runs. But I still know very easily which I want to watch. So it's Floyd is a little bit tricky in this way. I mean, it's different than sort of Andre Ward's dynamic where it's like, 
why don't you appreciate me? And, and he's always got a chip on his shoulder about it. Well, most people didn't really like him or, or were never particularly invested in him winning or losing. Either way, it was sort of like, yeah, he's, you know, he's doing great. And okay, he's the last American male to win the Olympic gold medal, but but I don't care. Floyd, you cared. Floyd would have been amazingly satisfying to lose because of what a complete fucking asshole he was outside of the ring and the ways in which he promoted the fights. It would have, it would have been, it would have delighted millions of people. The most exciting moment of his career is almost getting knocked out by Shane Mosley. And like, what's the next? Mm -hmm most exciting moment it's nowhere the separation between that and the next thing he did is probably not a thing he did it's what somebody else almost did to him too so you know maybe it's Maidana almost knocking him knocking him down in the second fight I don't know but but that's why Floyd is tricky to talk about um going into the second fight which happens in May I mean pretty close proximity to this first fight I mean the first fight did really well in terms of pay-per-view i think it did nine hundred thousand. it's a sellout and all of that but suddenly i think fans are like whoa maybe maidana can make some adjustments here and we're going to have a really fun rematch it turns out to be i don't think floyd or maidana make this fight i think it's all kenny bayless in a way that i didn't remember i think bayless steals this fight and i can't believe more people don't talk about how like what a kind of, not a tragedy, it's a boxing match, but it, it was egregious. It was totally egregious what, what, what Bayless did in this fight. You know, and I'm going to make a little bit of a sweeping statement and not necessarily about Kenny Bayless, although from about this point forward in Kenny Bayless's career, he was fairly awful, straight up. Because before, excuse me, not that he didn't have bad performances before this, but Generally speaking, he was at the very least a reliable referee. But my sweeping statement is that despite its stature in the boxing world and despite its reputation as one of the best athletic commissions, the Nevada State Athletic Commission is fucking pure horseshit, bro. And one of the biggest reasons is because they have consistently put forth absolute piece of shit officials like over and over again after they have turned in shitty performances, even like inexplicable performances. And on top of not only that, have defended the performances. And Jay Nady was a Nevada guy for a number of years who was just fucking unbearable. Joe Cortez was another Nevada guy for who for years was like, anytime they announced him as a referee, I didn't want to, I barely want to watch the fight. Because any referee who's in there talk, 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 talking to the fighters about everything, interjecting, making themselves a part of the fight, if they have some sort of catchphrase, I don't want it. Because that means they're going to get involved in some way, and I'm not interested. I'm not there to fucking watch Kenny Bayless, do I never am. So, And we've seen this over and over and over again from Kenny Bayless. I'll, the end of rant, but we see it again in this fight, dude, and it's bad. It's real bad. And we see it pretty early on, too. Um, although there's other elements that lead to, and we talked about this before we were recording, but there are other elements to what's going on here that lead to the conclusion. And it's not just Kenny Bayless, however, he plays a real big part. So 
getting to the fight, like you said, kind of setting the stage a little bit, the first fight performed much better than a lot of people expected, especially for such a big underdog, Maidana being, you know, this was not expected to be a close fight. And so they had a, a little bit bigger of a to-do about the rematch and the lead-in and covering it and whatnot. Like, oh, you know, Maidana really pushed him the first time. What's going to happen here? Can Floyd Mayweather adjust? Is Maidana going to be this round 13 type of shit? Just like Mauro Ronaldo was really pushing on us in that second fight. That but, fucking guy. Jesus Christ. He's a lot. He's oh. a lot. So, uh, but that being said, um, <laughs> as a fellow Canadian, I still just say, where did, where did this accent and he's like a fucking chat GPT of an announcer. Oh, man. It's just stop, just tone down. This yeah, not, a, not everything needs to be like a saying or a cliche no. or a pun or, you know, like. Just it's call it's it, like bro. the worst of Robin Williams as a comedian. I, I love Robin. That's actually Williams. not a bad. That's actually not a bad analogy. It is. It's just just fucking tone. Like you notice whenever Robin Williams' voice is just just in a regular talking voice, how refreshing it is. You're like, I I love meeting this guy. What I don't dude was like, in perpetual cocaine mode. Yeah, yeah, all the time. And Morrow is the same thing, except without the excuse of cocaine. It, it's oh, that guy. I just really struggle with him as much as Bob Sheridan is just such a relentless jackass. Morrow is not even a jackass. It's just why is anybody promoting this to be in front of millions of people watching? It's like yeah. if, if he came over to your house, you'd be like, listen, one more time with one of these things <laughs> thrown out the window, Morrow. One more, one more. Um, but yeah, this this rematch, I think there was a lot of anticipation. I remember being really pumped about it. Um, this is nine years ago, September 13th. And especially after what Maidana did in the first round of the previous fight with a hundred punches, he comes out and he's so patient. He's so like he's going for a jog. And I went, oh, no, is he just coming in for a paycheck? Because he's making five million dollars for this fight. And he's bragged about what he did with the previous money. I mean, it was by far the most money he'd ever made in his career. But this begins, and it's strange right away. And there's a nice right hand that Maidana lands when Floyd goes against the ropes and midway through the first round. But suddenly you hear the anthem. The of boo the birds. You hear the, you hear the anthem. The boos yep. radiate in. And you go, up. Oh, Floyd's taking over. Last time it took eight rounds, but suddenly, if you're hearing it's that like 90 seconds, then it doesn't matter who he's fighting. It's just like old days of professional wrestling with what we used to call the whipping boy. Like whoever it was who's just expendable to be destroyed by a name guy to see all the signature moves, that is Floyd's preferred opponent. And he turns anybody into that guy. Everybody becomes out of central casting for the opponent for Floyd. And whatever marketing there's been to get you to think this guy would have a chance of beating Floyd, which is the only reason you're tuning in, you go, uh, it's it's it, it, this fight will become what all Floyd fights are if Floyd is allowed to do it. And you thought, oh, I thought Maidana would be different. No, no. Floyd shows you very easily winning that first round. He clearly, like he came out in the in the first round using his legs, using angles, and it was like they clearly had done some looking at footage or something because 
the second his back hit the ropes, he was like, Broop. oh, yeah. Boom. Like he was, it, I mean, not the entire fight because at some point we'll get to this in a moment, but especially early on, he realized, nah, dude, the ropes are not where it's at. And I can't linger on the ropes with this guy. Most fighters, he could even pressure fighters, yeah. good pressure fighters. The vast majority of them, he could, like I said, even Castillo for, yeah. for a number of rounds, I thought he was far more effective against Castillo than most people seem to think he was uh, against Maidana. It was a different story Too smothering to not give a fuck. And Maidana could not get him to the ropes. Uh, Mayweather wasn't letting him. And basically, I mean, there's not <laughs> going round by round is almost like too redundant for this fight because Maidana just can't get shit going. Floyd Mayweather doesn't let him. Um, and it's not really until uh, round three that anything super interesting even happens. Yeah. Maidana's pressure is a little bit more effective in the second, but you know, there's a moment where you see Floyd go back to that discomfort is on his face. You go, oh, like, is, is it going to change? And then we see what is going to dominate the tenor of the entire fight. Floyd holds. Like what you said, Floyd, his movement is much better. It's as if the ropes are electrified because the moment he feels them, he jumps out of the way. And the other thing that he's able to do, which is a smart strategy, it's it's illegal, but it's smart and it's never penalized is the moment that Maidana gets inside on him, he's held. And, and Floyd is not just holding, like they're not mutually holding. He is reaching in order to hold, which is illegal. That should be not permitted. And if you do it excessively, how many fighters have we seen get points taken away, eventually get disqualified for that kind of behavior? Floyd is never reprimanded. He, it's never mentioned as an issue. For all we know, um, Maidana's corner never complained. Maidana never complains. I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, so it, it's, it, it sets a precedent that Floyd learns, oh, wow, if, if I'm allowed to hold and I can just do that anytime this guy comes near me, what can he do to me? It, it, it nullifies anything in terms of Maidana's strategy about bull rushing, getting him against the ropes. Um, also, they are broken up way too quickly while Maidana has a free hand to punch, which he should be allowed to do. Um, so I don't know, like Bayless, it almost, I'm not saying it was fixed, but the agenda that Bayless has is so amazingly one-sided in how it favors Floyd that it's very, very frustrating to, to watch this fight. That being said, Floyd is much smarter in this fight. He's much more composed. In the second round, there, there's a wonderful moment where he kind of like matadors Maidana, mm -hmm. which he's not been able to do, or just turns him beautifully. Um, this, these are the ways in which in which Floyd is rewatchable because his movements are, are magical to watch. They're so difficult to do, and he makes them look so seamless and effortless. Um, but Maidana lands. Uh, let me just. It's the end know, of the third. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So Floyd lands some crisp right hands at the end of the second. I thought he easily took the second round. Floyd's accuracy is just off the charts, what he what yeah. he's able to do. Um, and then in the third, Maidana pressure puts on some more pressure. It's improving. Floyd stays disciplined in terms of not getting anywhere close to the ropes or the moment he feels the ropes, he gets off. He's much more effective at that. Maidana does not have another way to keep him sort of installed on the ropes um, and more holding. And you're just watching Bayless break them immediately. 
after they come together, regardless of whether hands are free, regardless of, of how much Floyd is initiating um, by grabbing Maidana and holding on to him, it just it just totally disrupts the flow of anything Maidana is trying to do, um, never allows them to fight out of a clinch, which I, I, I don't know why. Um, and then at the end of the round, Maidana faints like he's been jabbing, 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 and suddenly throws a one-two that Floyd doesn't anticipate because he wants to counter off the jab, which he's been doing so effectively, and gets caught flush. It's it's I think the only time really in, in both of the fights where he takes a clean shot, really, really absorbing all of Maidana's power, and he's rocked. He's totally rocked and rattled. Again, demonstrating a really underrated chin. Not that anybody's dismissed his chin, but fuck, it's a shot that should have put away most people to the point where you can see Maidana going back to his corner when the bell rings, looking back at it, because he could feel, he he felt the impact of what Floyd he did. played it off, to be honest. He like, did. I mean, relatively speaking, he played it off. He did, but you could see his legs go oh, stiff. Yeah. You could see him reach over to the rope to keep him up. Like, um, had he not been at the ropes, that might have been a bigger problem because he might have yeah. done a little stumble move to the ropes or something because he no was... Question. But he played it off well, and it's the it was the kind of situation where, like, that was really the only thing Maidana landed, like, the entire round. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't even know how to score that. Yeah, I, I mean, I have Floyd cruising three nothing at this yeah point. like i understand if you want to score that round for maidana because of that i understand but i'm just saying that like floyd controlled two minutes and 59 seconds of that round you know yeah. i, I feel like you kind of got to get a knockdown or something you know me too me too no, no no i mean it was it was a great it was a great punch but i mean overall like you control 95 percent of a round and you get hit by one good shot like that that's floyd's round and by the way, I might, sorry, interject real quick and say that Maidana did not knock his tooth out. That was snot or spit flying on the replay. Yeah, it's, it's, Floyd's it's, tooth never got knocked out. And if Maidana is honestly wearing somebody's human tooth around his fucking neck, it's somebody else's human tooth, which is fucking weird, y'all. But okay, anyway. <laughs> but I've seen a lot of people try to do the fucking content grifting, you know, viral social media post type of shit about that. Go like, look, he knocked out his tooth and now now Maidana's got his tooth around his neck. It's, you know, that's not what happened. Anyway, it is a big, it is a fucking big shot. That being said, um, however, Maidana does use that moment as a bit of a springboard to at least try to get his way into this fight in round four. And his pressure is met with a lot of holding. And... <laughs> yeah. So back to Floyd doing what Floyd does best, um, you know, taking away what would otherwise be an exciting fight so that he can control it. And um, Chino is able to get a really good series, his best of the fight with, with Floyd against the ropes at one point and is backing Floyd up. And then Bayless, in a completely unfounded way, warns him for low, low blows. And I don't know, it's just Bayless is just weird in this fight and I, I have a lot of respect for Bayless as a referee there's a reason why a lot of people hold him up as one of the best referees but in this fight he is fucking terrible he dictates everything and he's not dictating everything in any in any way that's that's in accordance with the rules he's not implementing rules he's making choices that are not in the rules that destroy the quality of a fight 
So yeah, I, he's dictating and according to like his interpretation of the rules, which is like, what the fuck are you doing? Which completely works for one one guy. So I I I I don't know what Maidana and Garcia my Maidana and his corner, what Robert Garcia like, he should have been livid. They seemed unbothered by it. Maidana yeah, too, for the most part. Like he didn't yeah. like it, but he wasn't like looking at the ref like, bro, what the fuck? He was kind of just like eh, acquiescing for the most part. Yeah. And uh so Maidana, I thought, did enough. Like he is jabbing to get inside in a way that's finally starting to work mm -hmm. a little bit. Probably, probably Maidana has a bit of an underrated jab, but um, it's you know, so he's up. He scores his first round, but Floyd is still up three-one, and um, and Floyd in the the next round, just his reflexes and timing totally control the action, and anything that Maidana does to try to disrupt the tempo becoming completely Floyd is met with holding that is unpenalized. So you just go, oh, this fight is going to be fucking terrible. And it almost looked like in round five, like Maidana was like taking the round off or something because yep. he just really wasn't doing a lot in round five for whatever reason. Why? I, I really, maybe he spent too much energy in the fourth, but he barely even won that. I thought it was a pretty close round. So Anyway, yeah, it's it's not it's not looking good for Maidana either in terms of momentum or his tactics. Sixth round, Floyd gets back on his bike. Um, hearing hearing the celebratory cheers of of fans um, that we have a Floyd fight, they're jeering the shit out of him. But when he is um, implementing any kind of offense, uh, it, it's still like he's just so fast and. You have a forearm in this round um, that lands for Maidana where he throws a double right hand. It's an interesting little exchange where he throws a right and the next one is a forearm that clips Floyd. But Floyd Floyd utilizes Bayless because if, if you're not going to get penalized in any way for holding, I'm going to hold you all night and keep this fight on the outside and maintain that I'll fight you as an archer if you're going to bring a sword to this fight. And as long as I can keep that distance, who cares what the sword is? Because I can just pluck and pluck and pluck and, and win round after round. And he is reaching to hold. I mean, he is tr you know trying to hug a child sort of thing, the way he's reaching out. It, it's so blatant. It's it's not subtle at all. And, yeah. and, and yet um, he's able to get away with it. I, I just slightly gave Maidana the round because I just was so annoyed, annoyed at Bayless, but I think that's the last round that I give him um, because it's, it's just the, the Floyd and Kenny Bayless show, which by the crowd is not the most popular <laughs> thing to watch. I gave Mayweather the round with an asterisk, but it was because uh, you know, basically the only thing equal to the frustration that Floyd causes with the holding here is that when they do get separation and he's letting his hands go, he's separating himself so much in terms of uh, quality that it's like, you know, it's it's just not close. It's just yeah. that every so often Maidana is able to kind of get in and maul him a little bit, but not like the first fight at all. And then in round seven, I, I, I barely even made notes because it's a mostly uneventful round uh, that in any uneventful round in this type of matchup favors Floyd pretty massive. Let's see. Uh, Mayweather, Mayweather, I put in round nine, who cares? 10-10 because it was so fucking excessive that I was just like, 
this is so stupid. Um, and, and on top of that, I noted that in round nine, Bayless was literally barking at them about every fucking little thing, every movement, every, like it was, he was swatting at him. He's, and I was just like, dude, this is getting bad. Uh, let's see round 10 Bayless having to get involved more and more partially because Floyd holding too much. My Donna frustrated, can't get Floyd clean, mauling, etc. And then he gets a fucking point deduction and it's a 10, eight Floyd round. I, the only round that I gave my Donna from there was round 12. And that was only because Floyd was clinching a lot, not throwing a ton. My, my Donna couldn't even really catch him, but the crowd was booing so much because Floyd just didn't really do shit. And, and uh, basically my Donna landed like a couple punches in the closing seconds. I was, these were like pity rounds, dude. This was not, this was not a close fight whatsoever. No, I mean, it's funny because both you and I, I, all the fights that we've gone through, you know, I don't know, a couple dozen fights. I have never, like the second half of this fight, I mean, Floyd in the first half is landing 53% of his punches, 53% of everything and being allowed to hold endlessly. Maidana's landing 22% of his punches. And I've never had a briefer section of notes that I've made in the second half of a fight than this, which is just what you did. It becomes a montage of our boredom watching this fight. And and yeah, I mean, Floyd just gets totally yeah, in control. Like a, a technical domination is fine, but that's not really... I mean, that's what we watched when they fought, but far too much stalling, holding, disrupting, stopping, starting. I don't like those kind of fights. No, no. I mean, you have a moment in the eighth round where Maidana uh, Floyd does a foul and as as he's got him kind of in a headlock you see him put his hand into the face of my <laughs> yeah i forgot about that and my <laughs> bites bites his finger and floyd starts i can't feel my fingers he bit my fingers or whatever um you know Flo floyd is quite fun to see when he starts whining because you can see little three-year-old the scream yes yeah, i'm sorry but the scream ah! Ah! <laughs> Yeah, for such a misogynistic asshole, he sure fucking cries like a bitch. What like the moment anything doesn't go his and, way. And for all of and for all of the fucking, you know, consideration Bayless is giving him, I will say that exchange is pretty funny. I can't see anything. I can't yeah. see it. And Floyd's like, he had my finger, my finger. And he's like, I, well, maybe he did, but I don't see it. Well, here, here's another <laughs> thing. If you don't see anything as a ref and a guy petitions you saying something happened, you know what you shouldn't do? Stop the fight in order to inspect an unfounded claim and, and give him like 45 seconds to sort of sort what well, excuse me, Mr. Mayweather, what 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 happened? What did he do? May I inspect your like what why are you doing that? Why, what, why, if your job is to see the stuff, if you miss it in between rounds, you should be alerted to it and then keep an eye out for it. You should not be fucking searching for stuff that one taking of the, the fighters, fighters instructions. Yeah. Right. Taking the fighters instructions. So, I mean, really bad moment for Bayless there. And I mean, I don't know if you're Maidana and you're being held as much as you are, and you've got a hand in your face, I'm not suggesting biting is okay. But, you know, Floyd is not the cleanest fighter either. He likes to use a lot of forearms, too, in this fight. Um, and, and the replay, for all of Pauly's bullshit, otherwise, the replay clearly showed that Floyd was sticking his glove onto Madonna's face and covering up his face, which you can't do either. 
And I mean, Paulie was pretty much the only one saying, hey, look, Floyd's booking. And they're like, well, you shouldn't bite. And he's like, well, I'm not saying you should bite, but you shouldn't stick your glove on the other dude's face either. You can't do that. So it was kind of like when we did the both the Holyfield-Tyson fights, again, same thing we said is that we're not saying Tyson should have bitten him once or twice. However, Holyfield was lo- using a lot of fucking head toward, toward the end of that you know conclusion there. It was not comfortable. No, and you, you also have, I mean, I have in the ninth round, I mean, my only notes for it, because it's so boring to watch, yeah. is Floyd's variety of ways of holding. It's not just clenching. It's not just that if there's a free hand, Bayless doesn't let them fight and instantly breaks them the moment they come together. So there's no infighting. It's that he uses headlocks. He does the Lennox Lewis tricep press with him. <laughs> I mean, he he's creating varieties of methods with which to nullify legitimate offense on the part of his opponent, um, which the referee just, just gives a blank check to him for the entire fight. Um, and yeah, I, I I just thought Floyd is given every stylistic advantage by the referee and, and Maidana is hamstrung with every disadvantage to his style. It's um it's very if we're looking at if we're we're marketing this fight, if we're promoting it, this is very good for protecting Floyd in order to go on to where he's going after this. In terms of creating the best entertainment value from the fight very questionable choice with Bayless. Like it looks, yeah. it looks bad. It, it just, I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all, but it just looks really bad the way that this is sort of adjudicated by him because the whole fight is created by Bayless's actions. And that's a real shame given how exciting, um, unexpectedly exciting the first fight was. And your response to that is to change the referee that um, didn't get in the way of an exciting fight. Nobody said the first fight was dirty. Nobody said there was any any you know um, behavior that needed to be adjusted in the rematch. So, uh, so it's it's very frustrating. I agree with you. I, I did give Maidana the last round, but I mean, it was just because Floyd just was thrilled to get on his bike and hear his theme song of being booed the entire round. So, I I had it nine rounds for Floyd, three rounds for Maidana. I don't know what fight the judges were watching to get scores like 115 to 112. Yeah, similar. Well, and it's uh, similar again to the Castillo fights where they where some of the judges actually scored the rematch closer, where it was like, no, (laughs) that's not the fight I saw. But whatever. Um, no, I, I agree. And I had the exact same score. Seven, 117, 110 Mayweather because of the deduction. Otherwise, it would have been 117, 111. Um, but, I mean, I think that something that you brought up earlier, too, and something, it might have been before we were recording, but um, at least you brought up the purse that Marcos Maidana is getting paid a million and a half for the first fight, which is peanuts compared to what Floyd's making, but nonetheless, his biggest payday by far and then they start the rematch and the commentators are talking about Marcos Maidana with his a million and a half dollars or whatever he got from that went back to Argentina and he bought a house, he bought a car, he bought a bull and he bought a cow. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, there's something, of course, quaint and, you know, hilarious about that because of the small town kind of uh, whatever mindset to that. But nonetheless, it's it was life changing money for him. And, you know, the old uh, saying by or at least attributed to Marvelous Marvin Hagler. I'm not, I've, 
regardless, whoever said it, the old, you know, it's tough getting out of bed in the morning at 4 a.m. when wearing silk pajamas or however he said it, but it was life-changing money for my Donna to the point where I think that that probably changed his outlook considerably, probably changed his training regimen, et cetera. And I think that probably the best evidence for that, and I'm not saying that Kenny Bayless was not a big factor in this fight because he was, he was a massive factor, way too big a factor, but I feel as though the Maidana that fought Floyd in the first fight probably would have just DQ'd himself. If that were happening in the first fight, he would have just been like, well, then fuck it, fine. Then I'm just going to go out fucking this guy up any way I can because he's preventing me from fighting and fuck him. Whereas in the second fight, he was kind of like, all right, I guess I can't fight inside this fight. Yeah. Too bad. And I, that was a very different mindset than we saw in the first half of the first fight. No, that's that's all fair. I mean, it's a weird it, it, it's a weird coupling these two fights. I mean, the second one is so strange the way it unfolded, but uh, the first one was better than I remembered, and I remembered it being pretty thrilling because it was sort of it sort of reminded me a bit of like the first Tarver Jones fight where it was like, wow, Jones is really being tested in in a way that he he is having to find another gear. And he's having to find another gear at a time where he's slowing down just a little bit. And, you know, in the course of that trilogy, I think it completely reshaped the legacy of Roy Jones forever. Because, I, and, and I don't think fairly, <laughs> because like the Jones who beat Ruiz to get, get that slice of the heavyweight championship, was he overrated at that point with what he'd done? Like, I don't think so. Jones at his best was unbelievable. But the moment you see these guys lose, it is astounding how quickly you get diminished. It's just no, it's just really difficult. It's sort of like a celebrity who dies of suicide. It's really hard to ever look at their life as not leading to the inevitability of that suicide. And you start looking for clues throughout the life that say, ah, it was pointing there the whole time. But you certainly might not have thought that at the time as you were watching it. Yeah, the story get gets there. retconned for sure. It does. It does. You you see it through the lens of the destination. And there's something about that with fighters too that just inevitably happens where you just start reevaluating in a way that is not is not really fair. Because these guys, I mean, it's one of the special things about boxing is every time they go out there, they're leaving a bit of themselves in the ring. They're, they're a little bit diminished every time they use their instrument to, to do what they're doing with the training and, and, and all of that. So, uh, so it's, it's fascinating to watch Floyd be tested the way he was and to overcome the test. But I think we were hoping for a lot more with the rematch and it was derailed by not just the refereeing, but like a confluence of, of the corner not doing enough about it and, and the other people who are there to try to create a fair platform for this, to, for this rematch to take place. And it didn't feel that way. It felt very constrained by choices that, that did not leave a level playing field for Maidana. Not to say that he would have won. I'm not suggesting that at all. But like that was not the guy we saw in the first one. It was a guy with sort of one hand tied behind his back fighting one of the all-time greats so ugh, frustrating but the first one was phenomenal to to rewatch. i i found it really exciting yeah the first fight is easily if not the most rewatchable fight of floyd mayweather's career one of them no question 
Um, and I mean, I guess also just kind of adding an extra lens here. Some The only reason why I'm saying this is not to fucking name drop myself. I don't give a fuck about that at all. But some people just might not know if they're watching for the first time or whatever that I'm the dude who runs like the boxing history accounts or whatever. And again, the only reason why I say that is because it exposes me to a lot of opinions, yeah. far more than the average person sees on a day-to-day -day basis. And I see opinions about these kinds of old fights too, or fights that have already happened. And so, for instance, when I post things about Floyd Mayweather, um, you know, or people, people bring him up fucking unsolicited all the time. But when they talk about the, his fights that were close or fights that perhaps he should have lost, Castillo fights the top of the list, the first one, obviously. But then I've, I've seen multiple people say both Maidana fights. And I'm kind of like, what? <laughs> so now at least I have a better basis for going back and saying, all right, well, maybe you got a fucking point with that first one. Second one, no. No. Second one's a big no for me. But that being said, like you said, the the extra context, the hindsight 2020, being able to kind of view through, you know, the eyes of the destination, which for Floyd Mayweather's not even done yet. Um, you know, he's still out there. Well, who's he gonna fucking he's he's he gonna fucking have an exhibition with somebody? Some who oh, it's a fucking John Gotti's fucking grandson. I don't even want to mention, I want to talk about it. But the point is he's still doing things. Uh, and he's still in phenomenal shape. He still has all his marbles, as it were. He still has a lot of money. Good on him. Uh, Marcos Maidana, on the other hand, not that he's doing poorly, but he retired to the hills, bro. He's living the fucking high life. The last I saw, he was training for a comeback and then realized in the midst of his training, yeah, actually, I'm good. I'm good, actually, just being fat and living. Good for you, buddy. You know, you got out. Hopefully you got out as unscathed as possible. So um, actually, there's not a, a sad ending to, to reliving this fight. Thank goodness. But uh, yeah, interesting stuff. A little more interesting than I thought it would be going in, which has kind of been the theme for some of these. Yeah. I mean, what? Floyd, Floyd will be 47 in February. And, you know, he's the most successful troll in the history of boxing. The, and the most lucrative troll in the history of boxing on top of all of his ability, but you, you have to give him his credit as a businessman to recognize oh, yeah. if he's pretty boy Floyd. And I find that an interesting designation because he doesn't strike me as that pretty. Um, once he flipped and, and turned heel watching him get knocked out was something that people were willing to pay more money than, than anything else that boxing or any sport or any entertainment has ever produced. That's Floyd Mayweather. Like with Floyd Mayweather Pacquiao, we were willing to part with billions of dollars in order to have the opportunity of watching him get knocked out. How many people were paying to see Floyd dominate Manny Pacquiao? Very, very few. But that's all about what he achieved as a businessman, recognizing what was marketable about his personality and the character that he created. How much of it's true, I, I don't know. But boy, man, when he's in the driver's seat fighting the kind of fights he wants to fight, that theme song comes on fast and he has no issue with it whatsoever. I've never seen a, a better fighter more comfortable being booed. And and leaving a fight that people go like, I mean, what is what is what is the legacy of Pacquiao Mayweather? 
one of the great disappointments in the history of big fights of all time. And Floyd is thrilled about that as, as a badge of honor and an accomplishment. So that's the kind of guy he, he is in terms of if profit is the bottom line, if that's the only metric to decide whether something's successful, Floyd is a winner. You know, in terms of rewatching fights, I would have loved to have seen more of these, more of these kind of fights, more of him fighting people that were bigger challenges at the right time, you know, whatever. But he was, you could say he's really smart to have avoided it. And there's another part where you can say, how great really was he? You know, like I, I don't know if Maidana can make him, can give him this much difficulty. Maybe, you know, maybe avoiding Amir Khan was a smart move because maybe Khan would have, if somebody had knocked Floyd out, how would we have reevaluated his legacy? If he lost to Castillo, how much would that have changed his future profitability? Enormously, right? Enormously. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was still with top rank at the time. And I'm pretty sure Bob Arum would have been more than happy to, if that yeah. would have happened. Yeah. So things played out the way they did, but you 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 really have to adjust the paradigm very little, and this guy becomes Andre Ward. You know, uh, I think there's a little bit of a disconnect, and and I think this is something you're aware of. So I don't mean you, but there's a disconnect between what a lot of fans, especially, and a lot of media and writers and whatnot, but a lot of fans especially believe about fighters and fear and shame and things like that where they think like what do you what do you are floyd may you're not fucking ashamed because you you didn't challenge yourself enough and i'm not saying this you saying this but a lot of people take that attitude they're like wait you some sort of like pussy because you ran or you you know what i'm saying they say things like that and it's like you know he he doesn't feel shame do you think he's you think he cares what you what your perception of shameful or in terms of entertain, you know, like he doesn't care about that. And on top of that, he especially doesn't care because he's living a life and I, I, it's not a life that I envy at all, but he's living a life that he wants to live. That is a life that I'm not talking down at people, but a life that most people would never understand. And it's the life that he wants. And he's just feels zero shame about how he got there. Or at least not outwardly and not a way that he's going to let us know. So oh, a lot of it, fans have a different perception, just like, like I say, fear where they think like, Oh, well, these two fighters aren't fighting each other. One's afraid of the other. That's not how it works. Fighters are not the normal emotional. They don't feel emotions the same way we do or how we think we would feel in that. That's what makes them fighters and why we're not. That's the whole point. Well, and, and yeah, any any arena of ambition where you have millions or tens of millions or billions of people competing for one spot, you know what it's going to attract? It's going to attract some pretty, you know, repellent personalities that are that driven to get there. You know, yeah, we've like, talked about this at length. You know, like e- Elon Musk with Twitter is not trying to celebrate free speech. He's not a free free speech defender. Every country- yeah, He's not just some theoc- dude running a corner store. Well, no, you know? no. Every, every country that is a theocracy that is repressive, he's giving them a safe space for tyrants and theocracies. What he's about is self, self-aggrandizement. That's the only, the only like abiding principle that he's obsessed with. So with, with Floyd, I mean, when I think about Floyd's legacy as a fighter, I go, 
magnificent career in terms of that he was able to control all of these great fighters that he fought. Did it produce great fights? No, no, it produced bad fights. Mainly that was generally the rule. That was a big success on his part because of his ability and discipline in order to create a bad fight where he won, which is the only consideration he has. Did he win? Did he make money off of it? That's it. Everything else is irrelevant. When I think about him as a human being, part of the reason I get animated by this is I remember somebody that spent time with him behind the scenes who said he used to, as he's famous for in terms of his treatment of women, he would flash a little, like flip a little non-disclosure agreement in front of them. We'd like pin one down their face to the ground and go, look, bitch, look what I got. That's the other side of who he is. That's And that's the part of me that I just think you you are paying for that too, you know, celebrating that kind of behavior when you sponsor this guy's fights and look the other way. I was banned from, from getting press credentials to go to some of his fights because I wrote about his history. I didn't write anything that wasn't documented fact about his history with women, you know, with beating women and that kind of thing. But that was a woman who ran his press credentials, you know, in terms of banning me. wife, Because I lied about it? No, because you, you told the truth about yeah, it. I know exactly who that is, too. Yeah, yeah. So that's another side of who he is. And you're considered a hater if you talk about it. I'm not saying that's the whole part of who he is, but it's an aspect. And and it does make me feel kind of <laughs> shitty that it does. he's a celebrated character. Um, just because he's rich, it sort of washes away that he's a deplorable human being. And, you know, I've done the same thing with Mike Tyson. I'm a huge fan of Mike Tyson. I always bring up the rape and the fact that he was more marketable coming out of um, being convicted for rape than he was before. What does that say about us? I don't know, but I'm interested in exploring that dynamic that we're very selective about the people that we sort of hold accountable for these things. You know, we've talked before, like John Lennon openly beat women and you never hear that brought up in regard to his legacy, right? Oh, imagine all the people with no possessions. Did John Lennon live without possessions? You know, did John Lennon not drive a Rolls Royce and, and leave hundreds of millions of dollars to his family? But but no, but the principle of having the lyrics of his music, it was all bullshit, you know? But so it's it's just interesting how some people we chastise and other people we cel celebrate. And, and you're a bad person if you bring up documented fact about them. So with Mayweather, it's he's a complicated figure. But he, you know, as I, one of the things I love about boxing, every great champion you have fits their time. And Mayweather in the era of Donald Trump is an extraordinarily appropriate emblematic champion of his time. You know, this is who we were putting into office voting. This is who we were voting with our money as an athlete. And I, I wonder how well that's going to age with reflection. Well, and I, I, I think that you pretty much hit the nail on the head there and not to get too much into either politics or political science, but I do think that Mayweather's arc as a character and a fighter and his financial arc uh, matches perfectly with the kind of capitalism that we got going in the U.S. Um, he gamed the system and figured out what he needed to do to get there, and he did it. Uh, similar to how Jake Paul's doing now, frankly. Jake totally. Paul is understanding that formula and reproducing it pretty well, except for he's getting away from it because he's fighting real fighters. 
no, 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 no. We don't want to see that. As much as real boxing fans are telling you that, Jake, that's not what they want to see. They want to see you fight fucking circus freaks and shit, bro. That's what they want to see. But that being said, it, Mayweather is like back to Mayweather. His career arc it matches what's happening perfectly, to be frank. And I think that his legacy, while for us, you know, I, I think I agree with what you're saying. His legacy, especially for a lot of young fighters, boxing has changed a lot uh, based on what Mayweather was able to accomplish. Um, and a lot of that is that he was able to, for right or wrong, take control of his career and kind of cut out, at least in part, the middlemen. A lot of the hangers-on and a lot of the non-participants who are just raking in money he was able to cut out a lot of those people and have far more say in what happened in his career. And that's what a lot of young fighters see in addition to the fact that he still has his marbles, that he still that he was able to minimize uh, the damage that he took and change the paradigm, change the stereotype of what a fighter is. The stereotype, and it's a fairly true stereotype, is that a fighter is this stupid-ass pawn who gets exploited and controlled by managers and promoters who wind up with far more money in the end than the fighter winds up with. That's a stereotype and it's true. Floyd Mayweather was able to turn that completely around and be the one who wound up with all the money, be the one who wound up making the ex-promoters look stupid for not being the ones to do what he did and embarrassing everybody basically who participated. And by being able to do that, I think a lot of young fighters look at that and say, that's what I want. I want to be able to get in, run my fucking, I don't want to say it's a scam, but run my fucking game, get out, be a rich motherfucker, be able to do whatever I want. And before him, it's not, I'm not saying that never happened, but he is definitely one of a kind in that regard. Cause you look, I mean, there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of the story left. Don't get me wrong, it could wind up very dark. But at least for the time being, there's never been any fighter like him. No, no, there hasn't. I mean, I would say if anybody's auditioning for O.J. Simpson in the 21st century, it's Floyd. Like as far as athletes or ex-athletes are, like his history is way worse than O.J.'s. And it's pretty similar in a lot of respects to how he's treated women. You know, I'm not saying that that necessarily leads to murder, um, but it certainly could. And would you be shocked if you found out that Floyd, you know, like, it, again, if you think I'm exaggerating, Oof. look at the actual <laughs> history that he has with women. So, I mean, beating them in front of his kids and stuff like that, where the children are calling 911. Um, but I would also say this, that I think is maybe important, I don't know, in terms of a distinction. As a businessman, Floyd... You could argue he's the smartest athlete that that we've ever had to make money. If if that's your bottom line as a metric for the value of what he achieved, now look at Arturo Gatti. Is Arturo Gatti ever talked about as one of the great fighters of all time? Absolutely not. Is by idiots, about? sure, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but 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 by anybody who knows what they're talking about, is he in the top thousand of fighters? Probably not. In terms of generating great fights, no question. One fight? No. Four, five, six of them? Yeah. If you if you had a child who you wanted to introduce to the magic of boxing, 
would you struggle over whether to show them a Floyd Mayweather fight or an Arturo Gatti fight? Pull 100 people and see what who they choose. That is, what is that worth in terms of Gatti's legacy? What, what, what value does that offer? Well, it, it, it offers an, a bit of a, an, an illustration of, should we define the fighter by what they have or should we define them by what they give? Floyd gave as little as possible in order to win. And that's why we go, he left with his faculties, he's got all the money, brilliant guy, great blueprint for a future fighter. Arturo is a total cautionary tale. <laughs> the way he fought, the way he lived, the way he died, who he married, and all of that. And it is probably going to last longer in terms of how he's remembered. Why? Because of how it makes you feel. Because well, Floyd I, didn't make you feel anything, you know, except ripped off most of the time. Well, and I guess as just a final epilogue to that, and not to contradict anything that you say, because I agree, but as kind of a final epilogue to that, none of Floyd Mayweather's children are getting into boxing, but Arturo Gotti's son is. Yeah, ooh, that, I didn't know that. That's That's very interesting. I mean, I used to hear that in Cuba, where I would ask Cubans about Fidel Castro's legacy, and they said, how many... How many of his kids have gone into politics? None. And it's an, in, an interesting statement. I didn't know that about Arturo, but... No, no, that's not to say that I'm saying Floyd Mayweather's kids are perfect. I know that his daughter has had a lot of stuff going on. I'm not even going to get into that. And I don't want to talk about anybody's kids either. That's not what I mean. I but know. just in the sense that, like, you know, boxing getting its hooks in. Floyd Mayweather, he got his hooks into boxing. You know, like that's kind of how it reads, at least for now. Well, and I mean, Floyd Mayweather as a little child was held up as a human shield by his father when an opposing drug dealer came in with a shotgun to shoot his dad. So that was the value that his father placed on his life as a child. So I'm not surprised that no matter how much money he's had, you still get a feeling of this guy sort of feels worthless, doesn't he? There's something about him that just Ooh. seems like he doesn't place yeah. much value on who he is. It's what he has. Well, I wonder where yeah. that came from. Well, I don't. Yeah. Think... And, and that's not like necessarily his choice. I think, you know, like that's, well, that's just... what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying is, you know, like what, what do I take away from, from how my parents raised me? If somebody came in with a gun, do I think that they would have put me up as a human shield? no. No, it's not because I'm so bad, but like that's not who they were. You know, they well, but, put they jump in yeah. front of you if if <laughs> somebody had a weapon, right? That's what well, a parent's instinct is. That's not Floyd Sr.'s instinct. Well, and to and to close the loop for anybody for whatever reason unable to kind of you know make the distinction here is that like I'm not trying to get sappy or weird before we close this out, but you know, like a kid's not supposed to a kid's supposed to grow up knowing that the parent's gonna do anything. They'll die for them, not the opposite and then you think of what a kid how a kid would grow up thinking if they knew the opposite well and, and i think that might that's explain a lot see. well that's what i'm saying is if you think about a defining experience that explains everything about the guy that you've seen to what he would become yeah that, exactly that is your um what's the word i'm looking for um fuck it's a god damn it your your villain story, your your villain backstory, or whatever. It, it is the backstory, but there's an your your crucible. 
that is your crucible to to what you you will become is that you cannot escape what that moment would forge you into and and so maybe in a lot of ways it's not floyd's fault like like he probably i don't even know if that's a memory that he has because he was just a baby when it happened but but as somebody that has tried to write about him and with various fights yeah, that, even if i knew that later you know like that's yeah which is why i think bobby Chez is the most exciting greatest fighter and greatest drunk driver and most brilliant drunk driver that i that i've ever seen and what, one of the most successful oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no it's heavy floyd floyd is is challenging because i do think we're gonna look back just like like that made in america the oj simpson documentary where you go wow it's oj's legacy that is the ascendant legacy of sort of celebrity and somebody who can be paraded around on behalf of racism and fully legitimate issues that they didn't give a fuck about in their life and they can get away with murder and we and like that's who we are as a society floyd has some similar plumbing in terms of how grotesque a kind of hood ornament he is for our time and and yet you can fully venerate him as a great boxer and all he achieved in the ring but the implications outside of the ring for him are really fucking dark i think it's just that we're still in the moment with it we don't we don't have enough room to sort of gain perspective on it um or or you know michael jackson or something like that right where i mean i just watched this is a perfect example last point is like I, I can't I saw the other day there was like the 40th anniversary of Thriller and it was like not a single mention mention that this guy was a serial sexual predator of children while we celebrate the 40th anniversary of Thriller that was such a perfect encapsulation of like that that is okay to not mention that this guy since like the age of 20 I think was when he was first like somebody called him out for inappropriate behavior with a kid with like an 11 year old so for almost 30 years this guy how many victims there were i don't know but many people have come out like half a dozen or something and we just want to celebrate him as if that's not at all part of their legacy and please don't bring it up it's it's uncomfortable and inappropriate sort of thing yeah. floyd is pretty fraught too if you bring in his behavior with with the mothers of his children and women in general it's it's dark yeah. shit. it's it's tough to know exactly where to go with that but i guess the overall point at least that you and i i think repeatedly try to make not just with floyd mayweather but with other fighters too is that it's okay to talk about these things it's not okay to hammer them about it. It's not okay to go on and on and on or make it some sort of shit show, but it's okay to recognize that there's cognitive dissonance going on with a lot of these topics and that it's not all a happy, we can't translate it all into sappy poetry as much as Hemingway would love it, as much as Joyce Carol Oates, you know, bless her would love it. It's not all that. Not all fighters are heroes. Not all fucking fighters are beloved warriors there's some shit in there too and it's okay to talk about it's okay to recognize well and it's it's just sort of like like in that oj documentary there was this wonderful comment about the rodney king trial and how that set up los angeles for its attitude toward po policemen um is that they said it's not just what happened to rodney king it's that not one police officer reported that anything unusual happened to rodney king so when when police say as if this is emblematic of the way we treat people 
if not one police officer noted that something unusual happened, that it was just a, you know. Yeah, not stepped in, but didn't even say anything. No, but nothing. What what was unusual (laughs) that happened on that day? I love that, like, that is the key thing. And so I think that that can be the key thing with some of these other figures, too, is like Kobe Bryant with the rape and stuff like that. Should that be the only thing people talk about about his life? No. But the fact that, you know, when the police finally caught up to him and like the behavior that he admitted to on that night, even, um, he was totally matter of fact about it as if this was part of the routine of him cheating on his wife was to be that physical with somebody he's just met, choking them where there's bruises everywhere and stuff. That's where I just kind of go, shouldn't somebody bring that up? That that's a little fucked up about the implications of what it could mean. And Floyd Floyd is very fraught in, in that area with, with sort of the baggage he brings to who he is. But because he's got so much money, we're we're a country where you know a little bit of philanthropy goes a long way in forgetting how you accumulated that money if it was, you know, illegal or or unethical or immoral. We just go, oh, you're rich, you must be good. It's poor people who are immoral and all that. So, and anyway, enough enough lecture. This it's just yeah. There's there's a lot with this guy that I I still find just. Whew. Well, and, and it's worth uh, bringing that stuff up, too, especially because after this point in Mayweather's career, Pacquiao, Berto, McGregor, and that's it for the rest of his, at least for now, the rest of his pro career. So, I mean, this was really represented a kind of watershed type moment, at least the first Maidana fight, where it, it's kind of peaking as in terms of difficulty. And after this, he sailed on in the rest of his career for the most part. I know some people will try to tell me Pacquiao fight was close. I didn't think it was close at all. But regardless, some people say it. I don't know. I tell you, some people fucking say it. But regardless, yeah, I think this was this represented a sort of you know downward slide for Floyd. Not in terms of quality, but in terms of like he's about done. He doesn't want any more fights like this. Yeah, and I mean, and he's about the same age that Ali was with like Burbick and Holmes. You know, Mm -hmm. Ali was gone before he was 40 and Floyd is very close to that. And yet he's still fighting at such a high level, you know, such such a high level. And there's nothing wrong with him struggling with, you know, a dangerous opponent. It's just um, getting your bearings on where somebody actually stands. A lot of that can just be marketing and publicity success on the part of that fighter and the people around them and recency bias with a generation of writers and stuff like that. Like none of us watch Sugar Ray Robinson. There's no footage of him, of him in his prime or Kid Chocolate or like any number of, of, of great fighters in order to assess how guys today would be against them. So, you know, uh, do I think Floyd is an all-time great fighter? Yeah, to the best of my ability, I'd say so. But I mean, do I think Sugar Ray Leonard would have fucked them up? Yeah, I do. <laughs> like So... You're not alone, and I think that's a pretty fair assessment. But yeah, dude, I I appreciate you doing a little bit of homework for this show. Uh, you know, it wasn't the first fight easy to watch, second fight not so much. So <laughs> I know I, I appreciate you putting in the work, dude. It's it was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Definitely fun. Bobby every- Chess. Blame Bobby. Hashtag Blame Bobby. For as long as Twitter's still around, hashtag Blame Bobby. So that being said, uh, if you listened into this episode, we appreciate you. Thanks so much. Uh, I know that there's been some complaints that it's been tough to find on podcast apps. 
it's it's been a little bit of a struggle, but I will take care of it shortly. New Year's coming, I swear. Anyway, as far as uh, if you did listen to it on podcast apps, go ahead and subscribe. If you watched on YouTube, subscribe there as well. Leave a comment and we'll say hello. And then as far as social media goes, my boy Bryn Jonathan Butler is on Twitter, at least for now, as long as that's still a thing, as Brynicio, B-R-I-N-I-C-I-O. I'm there's boxing history. Say hello. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Bryn, we'll talk soon, bro. Cool, man. Take care.